You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. 918 on this Tuesday. So those on the right can't figure him out. They can't figure out if David Frum's a conservative or not. But I think it depends on what you consider conservative today, which I think seems to be evolving. As a former George W. Bush staffer from you will know, famously penned that little phrase, the axis of evil. It was in one of Bush's most important speeches. And now David Frum spends his time making sure anyone and everyone knows that he hates Donald Trump. More specifically, what he is doing to American culture, her institutions, and American democracy. And he's put all that disdain into his latest book, Trumpocracy, The Corruption of the American Republic. David Frum is a senior editor at The Atlantic. He is also an author, and he joins us now to discuss his book. David, you've written a book about Mr. Trump, uh, Trumpocracy, the corruption of the American Republic. I can't say I'm surprised because I've been following you for a long time, and your, I guess your visceral hate for him is, is obvious. What is it about him that you dislike so much? He's cruel. Uh, I, he, I think that's the uniting principle of all of his behaviors. Um, his, it explains his treatment of his intimates, it explains his treatment of his business partners, his treatment of now the people of the United States and the people of the world. And so when you went into writing this, I mean, he's a, he's a puzzling guy because he's not actually a conservative. And he, so he doesn't have any, don't he doesn't have any political ideas at all. Um, if, if you start, it's, it's like asking, um, it's like talk, talking about the conservatism in relationship to Donald Trump is like talking about purplishness in relationship. He's, you know, he's, he's neither purple nor green. It's just that it's a different category. He doesn't have, but what he has is a desire for dominance. Uh, and what he has exposed, unfortunately, is that the Republican world in the United States, they began as hostages and they became partners in the relationship with him. Interesting point, because you'll get conservatives here who will back him because who else are they going to back? And they will do it staunchly. They're, they're more for the right, but they will get back behind him, even if he's not actually a conservative. Well, th- there's a lot of tribal thinking these days. Uh, wh- one of Donald Trump's greatest resources is something that the political side is called negative partisanship. Let me explain what that means. If you ask 10 years ago or five years ago, if you asked Americans, are you a Republican or a Democrat or, independ- or neither? ever-rising numbers would say, I'm neither. I'm neither a Republican nor a Democrat. Mm -hmm. And the pollsters would say, but that's funny because that's not how people behave. They vote strict party line. So a clever uh, political scientist named Alan Abramowitz had the idea. Instead of asking them, what do you are? He would ask, which party do you hate? And when he asked the question that way, he discovered there are no independents in America. Almost everybody has one party or another that they hate. Mm -hmm. And that is what Donald Trump understood. If he could just get control of the Republican Party, he could use the hatred that so many Republicans feel against Democrats to bind a lot of people who didn't like him much to his cause. But, you know, the Democrats, I think, are also have become much more hateful. I see the hate now on both sides. And frankly, I don't actually know what either side stands for anymore. I'm not really sure what conservatism is anymore. It seems blurred. But I don't have any clue what the Democrats stand for. Look, the party map is, to a great extent, out of date. A lot of these political ideas are, to a great extent, out of date. But when Donald, Donald Trump saw something in 2015, you know, when he came on the scene as a politician, um, I began not as a never-Trumper, but as what I call Trump-curious. Because although I had no use for him as a human being, he was talking about things that needed to be talked about. In 2015, he was the only candidate on either party who was talking about this opioid crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the only one who would talk about 
the negative effects of immigration, which exist. He talked about um, what is happening to the great American middle class in the middle of the country. He was the one Republican who was not all about, let's have more tax cuts for the rich financed by more cuts in healthcare spending. He had a, he was talked about the need for a more middle-class-oriented economic policy. Uh, I didn't think he could execute any of that, but I welcomed that he talked about it. I welcomed it, too, because he ripped the bandage off the Iraq trauma. And although he lied about his own role, mm-hmm. he forced the party, or could have. But when he emerged as, in first place, when he then captured the Republican nomination, um, I became very alarmed. And, of course, as we got closer to the election, I got more and more alarmed. And since the election... You know, I'm I'm a siren all the time. You are a siren, and you you don't hold anything back. You basically oh, I hold a lot of things. Oh, no, that's, <laughs> you don't know what I'm holding back. <laughs> well, that's part two. But you go right after him, pointing the finger at just absolute corruption. Let me say something about holding back, because Donald Trump um, rails. He he holds nothing back. The fact is, every journalist in Washington, every good one, has heard stories about Donald Trump that involve personal matters, family matters that they are pretty sure are true, or in some cases absolutely know are true, and they don't publish them because Trump's critics actually do have codes. They're things that they don't say. Um, and I try and I don't make personal comments about him in the, in mm. the book. I avoid that in a way, that, a courtesy that he does not extend to others. But I think people need to take a look at this. You have to give them a close-up view, and you have to not give them illusions, even if you don't plumb into every personal offense that you can plumb into. But you say he's using his position to to gain more wealth and power. Well, let me give you a very practical example of that. Um, we don't know very much about Donald Trump's business affairs. He hasn't disclosed anything. He hasn't filed tax returns. But what, one thing we do know is that the president of the United States is receiving millions of dollars in payments. We don't know how much from business partners in foreign countries, the Philippines, Turkey, United Arab Emirates, India, other places. Those business partners, in turn, are under the sway of foreign governments. That's one of the reasons why Trump went so easy on Turkey after the Turkish lagoons of the Turkish leader went on a rampage and beat up protesters in Washington. That Turkish leader at one point arrested one of Donald Trump's business partners in Turkey and held him for 48 hours until he got a better attitude. Um, Erdogan controls Trump's business partner. Trump's business partner controls Trump's livelihood. The present, the, the the developer of the Trump Tower in the in Manila, who writes a check to Donald Trump for that use of his name, is the present Filipino ambassador to Washington. That's what I mean by Trump-style corruption. Okay. Um, we're talking to David Frum, who has just written a book called Trumpocracy, the Corruption of the American Republic. And I'll, I'll be the devil's advocate, because there are many uh, who could point the same finger, let's say, at Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton with the Clinton Foundation, where they've used their their power position to reap the rewards, and they get cast off as as you know, truthers or, or just conspiracy things. No, I think, there's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I, Bill Clinton changed the way the ex-presidency had been done. One of the arguments of the book is that Trump didn't come from nowhere, that the United States has been heading in a bad direction, I've been argue, I would argue, since the end of the Cold War, that, that, may, that uh, since then the politics have become more ferocious, a lot of the behaviors of people in politics have been worse. But the fact that other people have done other bad things before doesn't change the fact that it has never been worse than it is today. And the, and the key point, the key danger from Trump is not just that he is so corrupt, but that in order to protect himself, he is one by one turning off the systems of law enforcement in the United States. He's politicizing the Department of Justice. He's trying to bend the FBI to his will. Um, he is failing to staff important government agencies, lest people there monitor his activities. So he's, he, because he is, has so much to hide, he is destroying the ability of the United States government to find. 
So what do we see in two more years or three more years when we go back to the election? If the Democrats don't find something to run on and only think that they can run on we hate Trump, they're going to lose again. And I'm not sure America will be recognizable, let alone three years, but what it would look like after two terms. Well, the most dramatic and immediate effect, and this is one that Canadians are acutely sensitive to, is Donald Trump is wrecking American leadership in the world because he is creating a United States that cannot be relied upon, that's unpredictable, um, and that many people find dangerous to them. I mean, imagine that you're a South Korean and the Trump administration is talking all the time about maybe we'll wage a preventive war in the Korean Peninsula to protect ourselves. We'll leave a few hundred thousand of you dead, but we'll protect ourselves. And meanwhile, we're attacking the U.S.-South Korea free trade agreement. And oh, by the way, the president once a month tweets out that only China can protect South Korea from a North Korean weapon, not the United States. So if you're a South Korean, you have to think, I don't, I don't love China. They're you know, a repressive, corrupt society. We're trying to build a democracy here in South Korea. But if the Chinese can sell me protection and the Americans can't extend me protection, I guess I have to go talk to them. If I had to ask you one good thing about Donald Trump, that would be? The one good thing about Donald Trump, it's fading now, but he's not a hypocrite. He doesn't pretend to be a good man. He doesn't pretend to be a good husband. doesn't pretend to be a good father. Um, he doesn't pretend to – the story he told most often on the campaign trail had the punchline, you knew I was a snake when you took me in. <laughs> so we did. So we have no right to be surprised. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. That is David Frum, his new book uh, of Trump – what's it called? Trump's f- – where's my book? It disappeared. Anyway, you can get David Frum's new book. He is touring it right now. Um, around the country. And it will do well on both sides of the border because lots of people here don't like Trump, so they'll be interested and it will sell well there.